0: Jesus Christ is alive, and because of his death on the cross, he offers us life after death. How many know that's something worth giving him praise for? That when we go through that dark valley, we know there is light in Christ on the other side. Hey, tell your neighbor, before you sit down, it's going to get real cold this week. Make sure they wrap up the water pipes. Going down in the low 20s in the next couple days. That might be a good day to sleep in that next morning. What do you think? I'm going to show you a little picture, kind of set up my uh, uh, sermon this morning. But my grandchildren are watching cartoons together. One's a little over two, one's about three months there, and they're uh, uh, happy campers watching cartoons. I think that was a Saturday morning. But I want you to imagine with me just a second that they're no longer two years old or an infant. Imagine they're 25 or 30 years old, still laying in bed, but this time on Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock watching cartoons, having their little blankie there to keep them secure. Now, how many know, that's not funny. That's not normal. What that is, is that is immaturity to the nth degree. And I use that as an example because just as children are expected to grow up in the natural, so too we as believers are expected to grow up spiritually. And this is the title of my new series. It's called Grow Up. It's a call to Christian maturity that you and I would become mature followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, last week, if you were here when we started this, they tell me that the preacher wore a diaper last week to illustrate immature Christians. I cannot believe it's true, but I I was told that. But it would be a good illustration nonetheless. Um, When I talk about a mature Christian, I want to give you a unique definition. And this kind of holds the whole series together. This is an aspiration for us. Many people, when we most of us, when we come to Christ, we come because we have a need. We come because we're sick, because we're lonely, because we've got a bad doctor's report, because we're in trouble. We realize we need a Savior. And, and the whole focus is on us. But it shifts as we mature, and our focus shifts to Christ. He is our Lord, and He is our King. So here's what I suggest a mature Christian is. A mature Christian is someone who, most importantly, loves Jesus more than we love anyone or anything. Wow. That Jesus is first in our life. The second thing is those that are mature would endeavor to be the person or become the person that Jesus wants us to be. How many know we're in a process of change? He's, 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 He's causing us to come from immaturity to maturity. And lastly, that he would cause us to do the things that he wants us to do. Now, this embodies maturity, uh, loving Jesus, being who he wants us to be, and, and doing what he wants us to do. But the starting place for maturity, and I illustrated last week, is, is this throne. Now, if you can imagine that there's a throne on our heart. Uh, you can't get a PET scan and see it, but it is there. And that throne implies who's in control of our lives. Well, I, I don't know about you, but King John likes being on this throne. You do too. We like calling the shots. We like doing what we want to do when we want to do it. We like freedom in life. But how many know this throne is not big enough for King John and King Jesus? And if you hear one thing in this series as the starting place for maturity, you remember we called Jesus. That was a common name. Many people were named Jesus in his day. Christ, Jesus Christ. Christ means uh, means Messiah. It means the Savior of the world. But the title is Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And maturity implies that I can't sit up here, this is the starting place, but Jesus is the Lord of my life. How many know that's where maturity begins? Well, today we're going to continue in this vein, and I'm going to talk about growing up or maturing in our character. And I'm using character in the broadest sense. Character is our unique traits, our our qualities, our habits, our ethics, our virtues. And how many know everybody has character, but not everybody has good character? How many know uh, the drug cartel members in Mexico, they have character? Uh, Mafia members have character. How many know, in character, they have ideals, where their ideals are, I'll cut your head off if I don't like you, if you take my money. They have, they have values. They have priorities. Well, a mature Christian has character, his or her inner world, that's based on biblical ideals. It's based on the standards or, the, or the, what we ascribe to as Christians. Uh, and, and immature Christians have a character that's based on worldly thoughts, worldly ideas, and it's built off what the Bible calls our carnal flesh. Now, as cute as my little son, uh, grandson is, let me know there's a little devil that lives inside that boy. Uh, If you've had young kids, you know that they know how to lie at an early age. You tell them, no cookies before dinner, okay? You say it. Say, yes, mommy. Yes, mommy. And you leave the room and you go back and they have crumbs on the side of their face. And as you wonder about those crumbs and what they're there for, you ask them, did you eat a cookie? Oh, no, mommy. Monkey ate the cookie, but not me. Well, that's the carnal nature, but how many know it gets worse? If you're Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire who was a pedophile among other things, And you find yourself able to do whatever you want to do because you have money, you buy your own island, you fly in young girls, you recruit them, you fly in world leaders, and you allow your sexual expressions to go where they may. How many know that comes from the same carnal nature? And it's in all of us. And my goal today is to not only talk about biblical character, but give you some very practical steps that you can take to change the old guy on the inside to become the person that the Lord wants him to be. And I've, I've entitled the message, it's what's inside that counts. Punch your neighbor and say, "I'm glad I came this morning." Came. All right, let's talk about it. It's what's inside that counts, and I want to talk first about religious people. And I don't like the term, but that's we're, we're religious. We believe in God. We 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 have a Bible. But religious people can look mature on the outside, but be immature on the inside. Uh, I want to look at Jesus, uh, address this. Matthew 23, Jesus was talking about some religious leaders. They were actually uh, some of the key religious leaders of his day. They were the ones that were responsible for keeping uh, the Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture alive and in focus, keeping the temple practices of Judaism in play from Malachi to Matthew. That's 400 years. I mean, we'd say that's a pretty good thing. They were called Pharisees. But when Jesus talks about them, usually it's on negative terms. So let's, uh, let's explore. These Pharisees were not only religious folks, but they were political. And they had shifted their focus from being men of religion to almost men of politics. So let's see what Jesus said. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? What did he call them? Hypocrite. A hypocrite. A hypocrite is a pretender. A hypocrite is, is uh, a hypocrite's not someone who makes a mistake. I mean, none of us are perfect, and sadly, we'll never be perfect. But a hypocrite deliberately pretends. A hypocrite puts on a mask to try to be something that he or she is not. I mean, at Halloween, people dressed up in all sorts of things. Well, that's not who they were. That was a persona. That was something that they tried to be. If you dressed up as Darth Vader and had a dark voice, how many know you're not Darth Vader and you don't have one of those lightning sticks? I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to be somebody that you're not. All right, here we go. He tells them, you're careful to tithe the tiniest income from your herb gardens. In other words, if they were growing uh, basil, they'd pull ten leaves off, and one leaf would be their tithe, and they would would bring it to the temple. Uh, But notice what Jesus said. You ignore the more more important aspects of the law. And now he's talking about issues of the heart, justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus said, you should tithe. I've met a lot of people over the years that said, well, tithing is not New Testament. Well, it pretty clearly that it is here, if Jesus said it. He said, you should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. There was a time in my life where I believed if you would just tithe, everything was going to be great as a Christian. How I many you know you can be carnal on the 90% and still give God the 10%? And we know there can still be carnality in our hearts. It's a big step, it's an important one. Jesus again calls them hypocrites, and here he gets to the root of the problem. You're careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, talking about their external world, but inside is your character, you're filthy. And he gives an example you're full of greed and self indulgence. Now, I don't know about you, but myself likes to indulge. Anybody else? And look around the room at all the liars in this room today. (laughs) Sure, everybody likes to indulge. I mean, if you could, every time you went to the restaurant, you wouldn't order based on what you could afford. Come on now, you would order based on what you want. And when the sporting group, when you're talking to Max Prairie Wings about ordering duck hunting items, you would do exactly what that little sales girl says. She said, next item, please. And rather than saying that, I only want one, you would go two, three, four, five, six, are you with me today? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But at some point, it's not centered around Jesus. It's centered around me. Preaching better than your amening this morning. Uh, and now this verse is probably the, the key verse of the whole passage. So listen, you blind Pharisee first wash the inside of the cup and the dish. And then the outside will become clean. In other words, don't just start adding religious things, outward things, to your life. Let Jesus change you on the inside, and then what other people see and what you do will flow naturally. Now, that is a powerful and profound thing, that if I will get off that throne and give Christ the right to be Lord, if I will work with the Holy Spirit and let Him work with me, He'll change me into the person God wants me to be. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So again, Jesus said inside, greed, self-indulgence, impurity, hypocrisy, and lawlessness, the list could be long. But the point is, Jesus is not just concerned or not just you know, happy when I go to church on Sunday or read my Bible or pray. All those things are important. But what Jesus is looking for is a heart. Remember the great commandment, the greatest commandment of all the Bible? Remember what it is? Jesus Christ said to love the Lord, say it with me, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Come on, give him a big, a big hand today. Now, go to Galatians 5 if you've got your Bible, and and, and I want to answer the question, why do I act the way I do? In other words, maybe you have a little, you get angry. Maybe you... Do your fist a lot and you use it a lot for more than just pounding uh, uh, cookie dough. Are, are you with me today? Maybe you're just, you know, you kind of grew up that way and you say, well, that's the way I am. Why are we like that? Why are we prone to lie? Why are we prone to pursue our lusts? Why, why am I the way that I am versus why are some people just as godly and sweet and innocent Uh, They tell the truth. They don't lie. Uh, You can always trust them. You can always count on them. Why the difference? Well, this is what we want to explore today because it's, it's because of what's inside. Now, this passage is going to contrast for us two things. It's going to tell us, number one, that we all have what's called a sinful nature. We inherit it from Adam and Eve, and it grows and expresses itself in different ways in different people. But we also, as a Christian, have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And if we will allow Him to change this inner nature, if we will pursue God, God will take us from what we were to make us from what we want to be. Come on, somebody, and say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, and, and, and if you don't think, well, let, let's read Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. Now listen, I will always be tempted. We'll always have struggles. But the question is, am I going to follow them or not? And then he'll say the results are very clear. And then this first little grouping he lists. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. We'll come back to that. Uh, Verse 20, idolatry. I want to talk about that. Sorcery. And this next little group in particular, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You know, you, when you're in the world, and I was in the world, I, you know, you may look at me now and say, well, you're a preacher. Well, I'm telling you what, when I was 17, 18, and 19, I was not a preacher. And I live most of this. So, what he's telling us is that there's a right way and a wrong way to live. But you don't hear this kind of lifestyle called sinful. Actually, we're seeing it played out in politics right now in this power struggle for the White House. We see it played out in, 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 in the media every day in terms of morality. We see it, we, our, our heroes in our society become multi-kazillionaires, you know, that have their own shoe lines and their own clothing lines and everybody wants to be like them. Uh, we see this worked out in the world and it's all worldly. Now, now, now this next verse is staggering. It says anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound very good. How many can agree with me on that? Which simply means, if I'm going to be a Christian and follow the Lord, I've got to to be aware of what's in control inside. Now, verse 22, here's the wonderful contrast and the hope. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Fruit is grown. It starts out small and it grows big. And if I will yield to the Holy Spirit, if I will let God work change in me, this is more than self-will. Because I know some of you have been doing New Year's resolutions for 40 years and they've still not worked. This is more than just, I'm going to try harder. The Holy Spirit will produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So when you see someone that that exhibits those character qualities, if you wonder why they act the way they do, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is in control in their life. Versus the knucklehead behavior, it's the sinful nature that's in control. Now, I want to dig a little deeper here, and I want to talk about three of those word groups that he described. Uh, But I'm talking about some character examples that our culture celebrates... But not God's Word. Let's look at the first one. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. Now, I read an article from Charisma News called Five Ways to Stay Pure in Today's Sex-Obsessed Culture. And how many would agree our culture is obsessed with sex? And in any expression of of sexuality. Uh, The author says he walked by a a youth clothing, clothing store in the mall and there was a t-shirt uh, in the front window. It said, practice safe sex. Well, how many know practicing safe sex is not practicing the biblical idea of sexuality? Let, let me I'm gonna digress a moment from my article and, and talk about the Bible. The Bible teaches us that God created us to enjoy sex. Sex is not embarrassing to God. Uh, you know, it's no accident. That a man is created one way uh, uh, in his uh, his physical makeup and a woman. It's no accident that sex is a pleasurable experience. But the one who created us put some boundaries around it for a reason. And God's boundary is marriage. Now listen, wherever you are in your sexual expression today, if you're married and expressing it outside of your marriage, I hope that you'll repent and go back to the wife of your youth. If you're single... Or if you're living together, I would hope, we'll, listen, we'll help you get married if they're the right person. If you're single, though, and you don't, you're don't, you not with anybody, and you just kind of move around a little bit, let me encourage you, make some changes today, because life will be better. better. I did when I came to Christ, and can I tell you this? The way I lived at 17, 18, and 19 makes it harder to live as a married man today. Just telling you. Yeah. It's opposite of what the world teaches. Thessalonians says this, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. We don't even know what sexual sin is in the world today because of the corruption of our education system in the media. But any sexual expression outside a committed monogamous relationship between a man and a woman in lifelong marriage is sinful. It says, each of you learn to control your body and holiness, not in lustful passion like the pagans who don't know God. And that's what's characterized America today. That's what defined me as a teenager. Uh, a- anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is, yeah, that's a serious thing. Now, let me go back to my article. Um, back to, after the t-shirt, uh, young people in particular. Young people, I want you to really listen to this today because you don't hear it anywhere else. I'm grateful in our, at least to my knowledge, in our sex ed schools in, in our area are different from the sex ed schools in many of the larger uh, larger cities and California and places like that. But uh, uh, you hear it in many, many public schools and you're bombarded by the media promoting casual sex. Millions, multiplied millions of people make the pornography click every day. And it doesn't make life better and more satisfying it makes, it it creates slavery. Now, Now listen to me on this. Virtually every day in our little hometown newspaper somebody is on trial for molesting a child. Why does that happen? I can tell you exactly why it happens. It starts with this sexual desire in the sinful nature that's uncontrolled. And pornography feeds it. And I don't care how virtual, virtual reality is, it's not the real thing. And invariably, lust wants more and different, and before you know it, a child pops up, and you're drawn to that, and then Satan has a noose around your neck. You don't hear that in our world today. Our our world promotes this safe sex idea. Um... In Fort Collins, uh, Colorado, I love the state of Colorado, but uh, they just—they passed recently in their city code, uh, they removed the prohibition that if a man can go topless, a woman should be able to go topless. So if you're over 10 years of age as a girl or a woman, you can go topless in Fort Collins, Colorado, as the date this article was written. Now think about that. A 10-year-old, an 11 or a 12-year-old, and it's colliding with all the perversion around child molestation. There was a movie, I hope you didn't see it, but if you did, let me warn you about it. The movie was called Hustlers. It sends the message that girls can make megabucks if they'll become a stripper seducing guys, use drugs, and they'll have a lavish lifestyle if they're just willing to practice nudity and promiscuity. Harvard University, uh, uh, perhaps the most uh, exclusive and highly esteemed university in America, has two courses on sex. I won't even say the name because children are in the room, but it's Blank Sex 101. That's where some of the elite go to school. Uh, 110 million Americans have a sexually uh, transmitted disease. See, in all that I just read you, and I took time to do that, because our world promises this glory and this fun and this hope, but in actuality, lives are destroyed... HIV risks, uh, over 100 million sexually transmitted diseases, aborted babies, nearly a million, depression, infertility, rape, sex trafficking, suicide, sexual abuse. That's the flip side of the story. It's like when they offer you cigarettes, they don't show you lung cancer. When they offer you alcohol, they don't show you uh, uh, checking in an alcohol clinic. Well, anyway, so that's the first work of the flesh. The second one is idolatry. Now, when we think of idolatry, we think of the little Buddha inside the Chinese restaurant, right? But that's not what we're talking about. To worship an idol is to be devoted to anyone or anything more than God. Now, remember our definition of maturity? It's to love Jesus more than I love anyone or anything else. But idolatry is just the opposite. I'm devoted to someone or something more than God. And it occupies the most time. It gets the most money and has the most passion in my life. Now let me try to illustrate this. Uh, I'm going to talk about my made-up cousin. Uh, I'll call him uh, George. Well, George loves Jesus. George is married. George has three kids. George uh, uh, and his wife, they, they have foster kids. They, they're in there, out of their home all the time. They have a calling to children. Actually, they reach inner city kids. They have an outreach uh, that they do during the week. They bring kids in their home. and it's, uh, Listen, it is clearly that that's God's will in their life, and their life revolves around the Lord. But something happened to George. George began becoming uh, successful in life. And how I many know success is a good thing? But when George got more money, George realized he had a hobby that he really liked doing. He loved to duck hunt and turkey hunt. And George became so successful. Actually, George loved it so much. That George, got a, that George got an MBA so he could make more money so his dream was he wanted to, he stopped dreaming about the kids in the inner city George's dream became one that he wanted to start in Canada and he wanted to hunt the duck migration all the way down the Mississippi flyway he went from Canada to Minnesota George was in Illinois he was in Iowa but somewhere between Minnesota and Iowa the kids quit calling and asking where, why he wasn't at the class and why he wasn't able to be at their game. But nonetheless, George was having big fun. George had the money to do it. He was out eating at nice restaurants all the time. And listen, God created those ducks and it's a lots of fun. I mean, he was out there. He went all the way down. Before he knew it, he would worked his way all the way down to Louisiana. And then what he did, he called home and told his wife, Honey, I'm going to do the same thing with turkeys, but I'm going to start in Mexico. And I'm going to go from Mexico to Florida. I'm going to work my way up the coast. And his wife said, Well, you know what? If you're going to keep your family, you can't do that. She said, something else has to be more important in our life. So then George shifted. Uh, Ducks dropped down a little bit, but George became so enamored and caught up with his lifestyle at home with his family. Uh, He watched those home improvement shows, and he got into it to the nth degree, and it was consuming to him, and all the while, Jesus was losing place. Is it possible that for my cousin George, what was the most important thing became secondary in his life? And an idol took over. Can I tell you this? Jesus won't have any place with idols. And if we can put him first in our life, what will happen? Jesus will let us have fun with ducks. He'll let us be successful. We'll have a fulfilling career. But if we want to keep from idolatry, we have to make sure that Jesus is first. And we love him and enjoy everything else. Come on, give the Lord a a good hand today. Let me give you one more from this group and then we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, wrap it up. Uh, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, and outbursts of anger. Uh, any, anybody raised in a home that was just, you know, it's kind of violent, kind of angry, you know, you yelled a lot. Yeah, don't raise my hand too high, but a little bit. Yeah, we were yellers. Uh, Let me show you what's happening in America today. These are just headlines. Popeye's chicken. Has anyone had the Popeye's chicken sandwich? Raise your hand here, let me see. Not very many of us here. Well, across America, this thing is famous. Uh, But the headline said, Angry Americans are fighting over the chicken sandwich. People are yelling, throwing objects at each other, and dying over a piece of breaded chicken served on a bun. If you don't believe me, Google it. My friends, it will shock you what they are doing. They are driving their cars into posts, concrete posts, trying to get ahead of the person in front of them. They are breaking in front of one another in line, and the person that's behind them whacking them over the head for that chicken sandwich. It's true. Where does that come from? That comes from our fallen nature. That comes from our sinful nature. And it comes out of us. Violence is growing in America. Show me the next one here. Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, uh, an African American family, sat down to eat. And in a few minutes, they were asked to move by the uh, the employees. The employee has been fired since. But the employee was just responding to a customer that said he didn't want to eat there next to black people. So where does that come from? It comes from our fallen nature. Many of us were raised in a home, and it's not just white-black; it's black-white. Come on now, I mean, hatred goes both ways. It's Oriental. It's you know, it's uh, it's immigrants. It's just, it's it's everywhere in America. I hate you because of the color of your skin. Where does that come from? Well, it could have come from our childhood. You know, how many know if you grew up with the N-word or calling white people crackers or whatever the case is or, you know, the, the slurs, it became a natural part of your life and you figure, well, that's just you. Well, that may just be you, but it's part of your fallen nature. It's part of the character that's not ruled by the Holy Spirit. How many know the second great commandment in the Bible says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me give you one more, and, uh, and, and this one troubles me so deeply. It's a minority. He's wearing a hat, make America great again, and somebody has punched him in the eye simply because he he wears a red hat. That's wrong. Violence is increasing in our nation, it's increasing in our politics, and it's increasingly looked over. Can I tell you where all this stuff comes from? It comes from our fallen, carnal nature. And if we will allow the Holy Spirit to change us on the inside, we'll get rid of all that garbage. Come on, give the Lord a a good hand. Now let me take the last 10 minutes and talk to you about how we can change on the inside. And here is it in a nutshell. It it takes our willingness, but it takes a submission to the Holy Spirit to let Him do what you can't do on your own. Uh, How do we change on the inside? The starting place is this, is agree that hitting somebody over the head because of a chicken sandwich is wrong. Okay, agreeing with God that ungodly character choices are sinful and wrong, don't justify it. If you justify it, you will never change. But when you admit it, here's what the Bible says, if you conceal your sin or if you deny that it's a sin, you will not prosper. But if you confess it and renounce it, you'll find mercy. So look at me for just a moment. If you rationalize your carnal behavior... If you rationalize this sinful behavior, you'll never get free from it. God never delivers us from our friends, only our enemies. So the starting place is every time we pray, every time we hit our knees, and this is what the Holy Spirit does in my life. He doesn't deal with all my problems or he would, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have anything else to do in life. He deals with usually one at a time. And he puts his finger on it. And if I will simply say, yes, Lord. Treating my wife the way that I just did was wrong. When you told me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Are, are you with me today? This is lordship. This is maturity. This will bring change. Now listen to this next one. It is, it, 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 it's probably the most important that's in your grasp to bring change. It is to renew our minds and desires by meditating on God's word. Now, the Bible teaches of itself, it says that the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's sharp. It's powerful. It can cut asunder between the the joint and the marrow, which simply means God's Word has an an inherent spiritual power to change us. Here's where we get it. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person By changing the way you think. Another translation says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what do you renew your mind with? God's Word. Why did you come to church this morning? You came for several reasons. One, you came for the donut between services. And I hope you enjoy that. No, seriously. You came to worship God and bring the honor that He's due. You came for hopefully some Christian fellowship and connection. But what we've been doing is the last 35 minutes is we've been talking about God's Word. And God's Word, when embraced, has the power to change. When it says God transforms you, transform comes from a Greek word that we translate in an English word, metamorphosis. And if you remember your basic biology about little insects... um, You remember that this worm that belongs on a fish hook, if he misses the fish hook, if he spends a little time in this hotel called a cocoon, he or she will fly out a beautiful butterfly. You say, how can that happen? Transformation. How can that happen in my life to turn me from a hateful, mean, sorry son of a you-know-what into a godly, you know, person that treats people kind? Transformation. See, transformation. You may not have the willpower to change yourself. Something goes on in this cocoon that transforms that creature into that one. And then I tell you this, friend. God can change you and God can change me just the way he changed that caterpillar. Come on now. If we will allow ourselves... This is why it is so important to read your Bible every day. Get the Bible, God. It's in the back of the chair if you want paper. We have a, an app. We read. I encourage reading two chapters a day. But, it, but, but when you read it, listen, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Uh, for example, let's say you read a scripture, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't go to bed angry. And you're a passive-aggressive like me, I understand this. And the way you want to manipulate your spouse is you have an argument and a fight at night, you put extra pillows between you and you sleep back to back until she gets her act together. But then the next morning, you read, don't let the sun go down while you are angry. And on top of that, the Lord says in Ephesians, love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you're up here, you're going to wait for her to change. But if you're where you need to be, You're going to tell her, honey, I want to apologize to you because I have been operating out of my carnal flesh, not my spirit, and I want to be a better husband. And you know what? When you do that, I bet you the things that are driving you nuts that she does, I bet she'll change them too. Come on. Isn't that true, ladies? Um, Let me give you something else here because some of you are saying, man, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Don't let, no, I don't mean about the marriage. I meant about renewing your mind. Victory is possible not through self-effort, but it is possible because of what the death of Christ on the cross has done and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. A few minutes ago when I read to you that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, listen to the next verse. Those who belong to Christ. How many belong to Christ in the room? Wave your hand at me. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And when you were baptized in water, it was not just getting wet. You buried your old man in a watery grave and you came up a new person in Christ So what am I saying, Pastor? I'm saying there's a spiritual potential that's out there, available through God, that you can access by faith to get victory over the things that define and control your inner man. That even though you have not been able to do it with 40 years of New Year's resolutions, come on, with the Holy Spirit, you can get victory over that thing that controls you. Let me wrap up with the last one here. Uh, This is pretty good. If you want to change on the inside, you got to agree with God that these ungodly characters, sinful and wrong, the starting place. Renew your mind. Meditate on God's Word. Put your faith in the ability of God to help you because of the cross and the Spirit. And here's the last one. Feed your spirit and starve your flesh. Feed your new nature. Starve your old nature. Uh, Because whatever you feed will grow stronger. Let's say that. Let's say you're struggling with sexual lust, and it's consuming. If you feed yourself with pornography, don't worry about praying about it. Are you with? Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But don't think if you're feeding yourself with pornography that a one-minute prayer is going to give you victory. You see, it's not all God, it's partly us. Let me illustrate this to you, feeding your flesh. When I was a boy, I was raised on a farm, and one of the guys that worked for us, his name was Chess. And Chess was kind of like an uncle. And uh, Chess uh, had always raised dogs. And uh, they weren't, you know, designer dogs. I got a picture of some designer dogs here, but you can leave that up. They didn't look like designer dogs, they were just mutts. I mean, they were just old country inbred much. You know what I'm talking about. But this one litter I remember he, he, he had, let's imagine five, six puppies. One of them was his favorite. It was this little light-colored dog, and as I best recall, it had a little brown around the eyes. And the rest of them were all, you know, mismatched, and some were dark colors, and you know, everything else. But he liked this one dog in particular. And I watched him one day when he fed those dogs. Now, uh, this was, he, he, didn't, he didn't go to PetSmart and buy six individual are you with me today? He had one pan to feed those dogs in, and he put a couple scoops of dog food in it, any table scraps he had, and if he had any gravy left, he'd put on it. He'd go out on the porch, and he'd go, hip hey, puppy, hip hey, puppy, or whatever he would say. And when he put that down, those little puppies are running up to him. But what he would do, he was to take his foot, he'd let the white dog, the one he liked, he'd let that, he let that little light-colored dog, he let him start eating, and he would kick the other dogs away for just a second or two until that little light-colored dog would, 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 would get a couple extra bites, and then the rest of them would come in, and in 10 seconds, it was all gone. But you know what happened over time? His little favorite puppy, this little light puppy, got bigger and stronger than the rest of the dogs. Do you know why? It's the one he fed the most. And if you will feed your spirit, say, how do I do that? again time with God every day, reading your Bible, praying, listen to Christian music and not some of the secular music. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm 62. I listened to rock and roll when I was, you know, let's say 18. But if I start listening to that music again before I know it, are you with me? You're starting to think about doing what you used to do? Come on now. You say, well, pastor, I like it. You don't understand. Makes me happy. Well, make a choice. You're going to feed your flesh or you're going to feed your spiritual nature. Because the one you feed is the one you're going to become like. See, feed your spiritual man and starve your flesh. And I promise you, if you want to make changes in life, if you'll begin to apply these things, Jesus will be right there and he'll help you. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Praise the Lord. Listen, i got something that's starting tomorrow that I'm really excited about. Uh, And I don't say this lightly, but about three weeks ago, I, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me because I have had a burden for years about people not maturing spiritually. People answering the altar call, pray at the cross, never see them get baptized, they don't grow spiritually, or just so many people remaining on a childlike level. And we offer programs and classes for new Christians and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it just seems like not many people go. So the Holy Spirit, I think, encouraged me to do some short videos Put them on our church YouTube channel, four to eight minutes, very short, about spiritual growth. And then send them out with a text message link so that anybody who wants to listen to them can listen to those messages. And we're starting that tomorrow. It's about 10 or 12 different messages. It's, and when you get it on your text, so you'll know what it is. When you click on it, it's about 4 to 8 minutes. It starts with salvation. It moves with Bible reading. You know, some you may consider basic, but it's the it's the, what I call spiritual growth 101. And uh, if we've got your cell phone number, it's going to start tomorrow. One will come every other day. So it'll be about 3 weeks that you'll have a chance to grow. You might even want to use it as a devotion with your kids or, 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 or whatever. It'll be a way for us to communicate, but if you want to be a part of that. Listen, we need your, your, text, your mobile f- uh, phone number. And the way you know if we have it or not, we sent a text yesterday to invite people to the service. If you didn't get one, we don't have your number. So if you want to be on that and you're not, there's a red card in the back of your chair or just take a tithing envelope, give us your name and your cell phone number, put it in those little offering boxes in the back or give it to an usher and we'll make sure you get on board. But I want to help you in your spiritual growth. Next week we're going to talk about growing in our personal relationship with God and I think that's going to be meaningful to you. Why don't you stand to your feet and we're, we're going to close with, with, with prayer today. I'm so glad you came today. You glad you came? Yeah, praise the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us, don't be a hearer of the word, but be a what? Say it again. A doer. doer. In other words, don't just listen to the Bible and feel good about it. Do what it says. Well, here's something I know. This is the kind of message that I know the Holy Spirit has probably been speaking to all of us today about something. I, I don't want to think about Cracker Barrel or Mexican or anything else just yet. I want to give the Holy Spirit about five minutes. To talk, or three minutes, just to talk to me, and for me, a chance to say yes to what he's saying. Could you just bow your head? And I wonder what it is for you personally that's been rolling through your mind today. I think that is perhaps God speaking to you. Would you just say yes, Lord? Maybe the starting place for some of us is just admitting that some of our behavior is wrong. Not justifying it. Not saying that's the way that I was raised or that's the way my, you know, people that have my ethnic heritage, that's the way. No, none of that. Lord Jesus, I agree with you. That something inside is more like the world than it is godly. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me change. And Lord, I want to ask you today to give me a greater commitment to take some time every day to read my Bible. Not to rush through it, but to ask you to speak to me. And when you speak to me, Lord, that I'll do what you say. Because I want to be transformed. I want to turn from that caterpillar-like character into a butterfly, man of God or woman of God. Lord, today I admit my failure, my ability to change myself in some respects doesn't work. But I believe because of the power of the cross and the victory over sin, I agree with the Bible that my sin nature was nailed to the cross. And through you, victory is possible. And today, Lord, I want to pause in my life and I want to ask you to help me do this, but I don't want to feed my flesh. I'm turning some things off. I'm getting rid of some things. I'm I'm, I'm changing some friendships. I'm closing some doors. I don't want to feed my flesh. I want to feed my spirit every day so I have the power to live the life that's pleasing to you. Listen, if this captures your heart, just slip your hands to heaven with me. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Come on, you pray right now. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I want these things, but I don't have the capacity, it seems, to do them. Help me, Holy Spirit. Make me into the man or the woman that you created me to be. That's what I want. I want to be a mature Christian that loves Jesus Christ more than I love anyone or anything else. I want to be a mature Christian that I I want to be the person you want me to be. And I want to do what you want me to do. Please help me do it in Jesus' name. Anybody say it? Amen. Hey, we're going to have a closing song and then dismiss today. During this song, we're going to invite our prayer team down, and they'll be here to pray about, about anything before you go. Let me encourage you. I think the worst thing you can do is to come to church with a burden and leave with that same burden. Come let somebody pray with you. But there may have been something in this message that you are battling and fighting and begging God to help you get you delivered. I would come for prayer because there's no better way to start what you have decided to do than in the presence of the Lord. But there's one more person or several that we'd like to pray for that's maybe a little bigger than this or it's a different type thing. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, my greatest need is to get right with God. you're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He's the Savior of the world. I believe He died for my sins like the Bible says He rose again. And I I believe that Jesus is the King of of kings and Lord of lords and He's coming back one day. The problem is, Pastor, I'm not living that belief. I've never committed my life to Christ. Or if I have, I got away from Him. But today I want to renew my commitment to Christ. Today, perhaps some for the very first time want to ask Christ to forgive you for your sins and what you've done wrong. Let him have your guilt and shame. Invite him to come in your life and listen the most important thing, turn to follow him. If that cross represents Jesus, we're all born going this way. But to be a Christian, I turn my life this way and I start to follow him. If this is your day to receive his forgiveness and begin to follow him, we want to pray for you. And I'm going to encourage you when this song starts, this last song, Uh, Our prayer team will come to the front. They'll pray for anybody. But if you're committing your life to Christ, slip out of your chair and come over to the cross. We won't embarrass you. You're not joining the church. We just want to pray for you as you make the greatest commitment of your life. And here's what I know. There's something powerful about the walk away from where you are today to to be the person that you want to be. Listen, you'll find it in Christ. Go ahead and begin to play, Pastor Zach. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They are here for you. Please wait till the song's over to dismiss if you're able. But our prayer team's coming to the front. If you need to commit your life to Christ, we'll see you at the cross. I love you. Thanks for coming. Hope to see you next week.